0: Anybody that was uh, raised on the panhandle uh, would probably relate to uh, being a storm watcher. I mean, there's just lots of space to watch for storms coming. So my family lived on the west side of the town and there was a hospital complex. So whenever I heard that a storm was kind of blowing in, uh, I would go kind of sit on the edge of town and I could watch. It's really, really, really wonderful to watch like blue northerns come because you could see actually this blue cloud moving towards you. So this... Dark, ominous cloud. You know, it'd be one temperature until it hit you, and then all of a sudden, whoosh, whoosh. so I've had that image in my head, and I think right now in our culture we're really all we're kind of all living under this dark cloud, and I would I would say that there's several reasons for that. I want to just mention three of them. There's more than three but one, I think, part of the unfavorable climate that we're in right now has to do with our presidential election. Now, I don't know if you've looked, but 52% of voters are unfavorable towards one of the candidates, and 62% are unfavorable towards the other. Now, I don't know if you've kept up with unfavorability, but historically, this has never happened. I mean, this is the worst that it's ever been. Look at the history. I mean, the worst was Mr. Bill Clinton, forty-three percent unfavorable rating. <laughs> you know, so I, I don't. I mean, I think that that's part of just this this dark cloud of unfavorability is just hanging. Over us, and we're wondering what in the world are we going to do? I think another area of our cultural life is there. There is an unfavorable climate with our economy. This was a a, a chart that kind of came across my Facebook page, and I thought, oh my goodness! I uh, no wonder we seem to be struggling somewhat, but it just it tracks. Productivity and workers' wages. So, from 48 to 73, you know, there was wonderful productivity in our nation. You know, almost 97% growth in productivity. At the same time, workers' hourly wages increased 91%. And then in 73, all of a sudden productivity kept going, 72%, but there was a flattening of hourly compensation. So, Like 9.2%. So there's something, something shifted in our economy. And I think some of it's hard for us to recognize because we're still, we still are doing well. We're like, we're kind of keeping our heads above the water. But we're not doing as well as what we used to be doing. So something has happened. And I think, again, I think that puts this dark cloud over us and most of us wonder month by month, gosh, we're making, a, it seems like we're making a lot of money, but it's not going very far. Then there's another, I just, again, the family climate, I mean, it's, it hasn't been improving. Uh, some will skew the statistics and say, oh, no, 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 it's, a, well, the, the, actually, there are less people getting married and living together, so that's changing the percentages, but in general, sadly, 50% of first marriages fail in divorce, 67 of second marriages fail, and 73% of third marriages. What all that means is that most of us in our culture come from broken homes. And again, I think that that creates there's a there's this dark cloud. There's, there's this unfavorability. So we could, I think, almost quickly conclude, <sniffs> we live at an unfavorable time. And so that really becomes my question. And it's not just a question for this morning, but it's, all, it's a question for this season because I've been praying, okay, what are we going to do? Because <laughs> this dark cloud is not going to go away. I mean, we're going to make it to November. There's going to be a new president elected, but it doesn't mean the dark cloud's going to go away. So really, it's, we're, gonna, we're living under this dark cloud, so how are we going to resist the effects of an unfavorable climate? My parents grew up north of Seattle, and my dad would always talk about, man, it was depressing living under a cloud most of the time. I think that that same effect in a mental, spiritual realm is happening to us. So how are we, we going to deal with this? So I would like to suggest that we look at the beginning of the good news. So we'll start in Luke 4. When Jesus came to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And he unrolled the scroll, and he found the place where it's written... The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he says, today this is fulfilled. My friends, I could go on a long time (laughs) because I think it's really, really, like really, 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 like really important that this gets cemented in our brain. I'm about to talk to us about our worldview, how we see the world. And I believe that what Jesus fulfilled and is fulfilling, that must be cemented. In our world view. Or we are going to live under dark cloud. After dark cloud. After dark cloud. And will be no service. To our generation. We will not represent. The good news of Jesus. We will be bad news. You see the age of the Lord's favor. Is now. It started. With the coming of Messiah. When John the Baptist announced. Repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. He's saying Messiah is about to show up. Messiah is coming. And when Jesus says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he says, the age of Messiah is here. The age of the Lord's favor is here. And he continues, I mean, it's, it's through his birth, it's through his ministry, it's through his death, it's through his cross. The age of the Lord's favor is from when Jesus came the first time to when Jesus will return the second time. We live in the age of the Lord's favor. Say that out loud with me three times. One, two, three. We live at the time of the Lord's favor. We live at the time of the Lord's favor. We live at the time of the Lord's favor. If you don't believe me, go back to Isaiah. Notice... Jesus opened up this scroll. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's reading out of Isaiah. Because the Lord has anointed me, has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Notice Jesus admit he did not read the next line. And the day of the vengeance of our God. You're going to have to answer, why did Jesus leave that out? There was not a mistake in the scroll. Scribes did not make mistakes in the scroll that big. Jesus is saying something to us that we have got to hear. See, the two worldviews are this. This is either the age of God's favor or this is the age of God's judgment. And it's not; it cannot be one or the. Other, and it can, they're not mingled. It's one or the other. And I'm here to tell you, with everything that I am, that I cannot read the New Testament in any other way than to stand before you and say, "This is the time of God's favor. He's postponed the time of His vengeance until the Great White Throne Judgment. It is later. It's in the age to come." All of the sins of humanity fell upon Jesus on the cross, so God could suspend judgment for the age of His favor. And so, when you and I get we get we get so we start spouting out judgment, we're dismissing what Jesus did on the cross, friends. That is a huge thing to make smaller what Jesus did on the cross. That's huge. This is the age of God's favor. So even in this unfavorable climate, even with this dark cloud, our job is to announce to our generation the favor of our God for all humanity. I mean, th- this, this is the headliner and if, we if we were putting out a publication, this would be the headlines every day. This is the year of God's favor, God's favor, God's favor. Now, it really comes down to, I mean, I, 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 mean, I could go on for a long time. I'd be saying the same thing. And my, probably my enthusiasm would get a little bit bigger in this fall. I'd rise and fall, rise and fall, rise. But I've got to ask you, do you believe this? Do do you believe... I mean, like, is this in the core of your beliefs? And is this what we practice? Let me take it one step further. The Pharisees were mad at everybody but the Pharisees. They consider themselves to be the ones that were right with God. The Sadducees were not right with God because they had sold out to the Romans and the Romans kept them in political power. The Romans paid them. They'd sold out to God. The Romans weren't right with God because they were Gentiles. And then any, any any other Jew in the land that really wasn't a practicing Jew wasn't a Pharisee they weren't right with God. And so the, what the Pharisees' prayer was, God, take care of all those sinners. All those sinners around us are, are they're spoiling it for us. If we could get rid of all the sinners around us, then your blessing would come upon us. They actually believed the kingdom of God would come if everybody was a Pharisee, a pure one like them. Does that sound vaguely familiar to anything? I want to suggest to you the spirit of Pharisaism is alive and well in America, in the church. And we are so foolish to think that we can legislate the immorality of others. We, we can't do that. That's the law. That's the old covenant. There must be a law written on the hearts of men and women that then drives them to obey a God. It's not that the law is bad. It's not, that what we, it's not that our ethic is wrong. It's just how do people get there? People do not get there by judgment. They get there by the mercy of God. Why did Jesus say to the Pharisees again and again and again, go away, read this again and again, think about this. I want mercy. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Folks, our country will change. When we represent represent the favor of God, it will not change because we become more judgmental and condemnational. That's not going to change anybody. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. I mean, I could go, I mean, read the New Testament. It's the new covenant, something new, it's not the old when we start spouting off the, the judgment of God against our nation or other nations, we are definitely living in the Old Testament. And that's not where Jesus wants us to live. And look what He paid he paid for us to live in the new. This is the age of God's favor. Do you believe this? And do you practice this? See, our job is to bring good news to the poor, to those who are dependent on others for support. There are people in our culture that are dependent upon others for support. What good news do we bring to them? Not only to the unfavorable circumstances of these people from an economic point of view, the thought is also that since they are oppressed and disillusioned, they are in special need of God's help. My friends, I would say we are surrounded by people who are oppressed and disillusioned. Matter of fact, many of us are. C.S. Lewis was, it was well known for saying this quote from N.T. Niles. Christianity is one beggar telling another beggar where are to find bread. Is that how we live? We are to set, we're sent by our God, sent to announce release from captivity. We're sent to release a, a generation held captive to misery and brokenness. I, I would say that what, what, I, what I started with, the, the climate that we live in right now, there are people all around us that are miserable and they're broken And are are we helping to release them from that? Or are we adding to their bondage? And then notice that the release from captivity is also a release from blindness. Either people regaining their vision or people getting sight for the first time, and it's broad enough to care, it covers physical and spiritual slash mental blindness. My folks, if we don't see that people around us today are blind and that they are in need of being set free from that captivity of blindness, then we ourselves are blind. Now, that, it may seem like a dark order for us <laughs> to live under this dark cloud and to make some sort of influence with our generation, but I think it happens because it happens for us the same way that it happened for Jesus. The Spirit of God has to come upon us. We can't do this. In our own strength, we can't do this in our own programs, we can't do this in our own studies. It has to be the Spirit of God that comes upon us, that empowers us. He anoints us, just like Jesus, to announce God's favor to our generation. That's the only way it will happen. So it really comes down to just one question. Will we bring it? Will we bring it to our generation? Will we bring it? Will we announce God's favor? Will we bring God's favor to our generation? I mean, think about our own lives. I mean, I know that I know that I know that God has shown me favor after favor after favor after favor my whole life And the reality is, what he's done for me, he wants to do for everybody around us. So, therefore, what, what 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 am I doing in announcing that good news? So, all of that, I want you to. I mean, obviously, I want you to take it deeply into your heart. John started his ministry as a voice crying in the wilderness. I have to say to you that as I read and listen to the message of the church in general, I feel like a voice crying in the wilderness. I want the Holy Spirit to empower many more voices like our voices. It means that when people start taking us down this road of, Oh, God, yeah, blah, blah we got to say, that's not right. That's stinking thinking. <laughs> you know, it's really easy for us to join the parade and complain and join. It's, that's really easy. This is a time to be bold and say, no, no. Let me tell you, I'll just give you one other illustration. And then I'll stop and then we'll go into ministry time with a song. I got a call on Friday from <laughs> the folks that helped bring Ani into our lives. This, this gal called me and said, I, I, I need help. Uh, we're trying to place a young man who's wanted to be an exchange student. He's from Tajikistan, which is a Muslim-dominant country. Um, we'd like him to be placed in the Komal Independent School District. And we, we know that his family is Muslim, but he, he's not a practicing Muslim, and I can't find a family in Comal Independent School District that will receive him in their home because he's a Muslim. Hello? Hello? Uh, it's uh, huh? see I've had a Muslim young man in my house. And I had a real I mean I had an incredible conversation on the back porch. And he was trying to evangelize me. Muslims evangelize. We evangelize. He said to me, Hey, you know, if you had a choice between a nineteen fifty-seven Chevrolet and a I think it was like 2000 when he was with us, a 2000 Corvette, which would you choose? And I said, the 57 Chevy, because I'm a little wiser. <laughs> he looked at, said, but, but it wouldn't be the newest model. I said, I, it's, the 57 is a classic. <laughs> what he wanted to say is, well, Muhammad is, I mean, he's the new and improved version of Jesus, so you surely you want the new and improved. No, I don't want the new and improved. I want the classic. I'm happy with the classic. And that young man and I remain friends. He's back in his country. We still communicate with each other. Truthfully, he gave me his story. I gave him my story. And it was really a good exchange. And we remain friends. And God is still God. And we'll see what God does. Are we going to live in fear? Or are we going to live by faith? So take a moment, ponder these things. Amber, please come. West the rest of the worship team. We're going to end in ministry time with an extended song for you and I to just think through what, what the Spirit of God just said to us through His Word.